All right, it's time to get started. Let's go ahead and let's all stand. Brown book, page 191. Jesus has a table spread where the saints God are fed. He invites the chosen people to come and die. With his manna he doth feed and supplies for every need. Oh, the streets up with Jesus all the time. Come and die, the master call it, come and die. Here may peace to Jesus table all the time. He who fed the water to turn the water into wine. Do the hungry call it now, come and die. The disciples came to land, thus obeying Christ's command. For the master called unto them, come and die. There they found their hearts desire, bread and fish upon the fire. Does it satisfy the hungry every time? Come and die, the master call it, come and die. Give me peace to Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the water to turn the water into wine. see all of you now this is an honor to have uh brother mcduffie with us tonight and uh his better half came the other night now he's here with us and thank you for being here tonight amen brought all those gorgeous youngins amen appreciate all of y'all being here i'm glad that you're here amen <laughs> amen <laughs> well let's go to the lord in prayer brother jeff haynes how about you praying for us You may be seated, page 53.
Hands were held sky inside. 
Let's do one more. Let's all stand again. Page 99.
good to see all of you here tonight. Appreciate you coming, being a part of the service. Let me just mention one little thing today. Uh, don't forget our Valentine banquet on February the 11th. You'll be making preparations for that, and we'll have us a good time together. I do want to do something tonight. I'm, I'm so thrilled just to see Brother McDuffie come tonight. And I uh, want you to know that we love y'all, and we've been praying for your family on a regular basis and appreciate you being here tonight. We did this for his wife, but I want to do it for him also. Uh, I want us men to gather around him and pray for him and his family tonight, that God's blessings would continue to be with them. Y'all doing okay, brother? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. If you don't mind, if you'd come down tonight, we want to gather around you and just pray for you and your family tonight. Sis, if you'll play us a little something. Men, let's come and gather around Brother McDuffie tonight and pray for him. Duffy, how long ago was that? How long ago was that that y'all's house burned down? July the 21st last year. House burnt down to the ground. And so thankful to meet you and your family. Y'all been a blessing to us and we appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, Valentine banquet. Don't forget that.
we were singing earlier tonight and said that the song said there'd be no more night there. And he told me, he said, that's with a N-I-G-H-T, not a K-N-I-G-H-T. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll get saved one day, amen. And it is good to have Brother Derek Knight in with us tonight. He's going to preach for us. You come on, brother. Well, it's an honor to be here again. I like to call it my home away from home. Uh, if you will, turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And if you will, just stand with us out of honor to God's word. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever thou doest shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Brother Ron, if you'll lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, Brother John also asked us, do we sing? He says, did you and your wife sing? I says, no, sir. I says, maybe when we have a choir uh, backing us up. He says, I, could, I, I was very sure y'all sung. I says, well, I do get requests, but I still sing anyway every now and then. <laughs> so right here as we look in the scripture, I want you to look at verse 1. Verse 1 really stuck out to me. Whenever we look at the, this scripture, a lot of times this gets lost in the shuffle, if you will. The very first words is, blessed is the man. How many in here wants to be blessed? I mean, really, I've never seen anybody that says, I would sure like a cursing on my life. I mean, if so, eh, you may really be a bad descent. But he says, blessed is the man. And then he gives us a recipe. He don't just leave us hanging out there. A lot of times we get that, oh, I sure would like the blessings of God. But then they leave us like, well, how do I get there? He gives us a recipe. Notice, I want you to see these things. He says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If you notice in this verse, there's a progression. Paul instructs us that we need to run the race that is set before us. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. You know, the things that hinder us not, are not always sins. We, we tend to think that, but sins so easily beset us. We all have those sins that trip us up every now and then. But he says there's some weights in your life that's going to hold you back. 
And I've never seen a runner say, I'm going to put on more weight when I run this race. No, he tries to shed the weight so he can run the race. But here's what happens, though. I want you to see this. In this verse, we see a progression. Nobody is going to be running the race for God and then tomorrow wake up sitting down on God. I've never seen, unless there was something tragic where a runner would run and, have, you know, break a leg or something. In your spiritual life, I've never seen where a Christian would be running the race and then all of a sudden from a full sprint be sitting down. That's not going to happen. How the devil's going to get you, he's going to start telling you, just slow down a little bit. Just start walking. You don't have to run. Just go, start walking. Next thing you know, he'll say, well, stop walking. Just start standing. And when he's got you standing still, that's when you find yourself sitting down on God. It's a slow progression. I've heard this analogy before where you know how to boil a frog? Not that he, I don't know why anybody would want to boil a frog, but they said, you want to know how? You don't get the water boiling and toss the frog in. It'll hop right back out. It says, stick, the stick him in the water, slowly turn up the heat. And before you know it, that frog is in boiling water and don't even know it. Because he got used to it. It was a slow progression. That's the, I want to show you this. He says, blessed is the man if you don't go down that path. He says, if you keep running the race for God, you're going to find the blessings of God. Even in the hardest of times, stay with God. Keep running the race. Don't slow down because the finish line is in sight. And I want you to see something right here. He even says how the devil's going to get you. He even shows you how the devil's going to get you. He says, uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So how is he going to get me from a run to a walk? The counsel of the ungodly. You're going to start listening to stuff. Did you hear what I heard about so-and-so? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? It's just talk. You start hearing it first. And it starts embedding it in your mind. And you start maybe even believing it a little bit. You may even turn on the news. And I'm going to depend on man's wisdom. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 through 7. You can see it's almost a mirror image of this Psalm chapter 1. And he says, cursed is the man that puts his faith and trust in the man. You want to curse and start listening to man's opinions. Start listening to what man has to say about it. And you're going to find a lot of cursings. It's going to get you down, slowed down. You're going to be putting some weight on, if you will. It's going to slow your race down by listening to man's opinions. Next thing he says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Notice he went from walk to a stand by how? In the way of sinners. He started doing what they said. He went from listening to it and now he's doing it. Now he is with the sinners. I'm standing in the way of sinners. I've, I've come to a standstill because I'm doing what they said. Now don't get me wrong. You need to be a witness to your uh, lost friends. I'm not saying blackball yourself and isolate yourself. But you do need to keep your standards. You do not need to come down to them. But you need to bring them, try to bring them up to you. Protect yourself. When they start all that negativity, cut it off. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you sit there and listen to it, you're just as guilty as the one saying it. Just throwing that out there. Cut it off. Because you'll find yourself standing in the way of sinners. 
Now, we went from a stand to a sit. You know what's going to happen? He says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I, I'm just an honest preacher. I kind of say stuff I'm not supposed to sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, some of the meanest people you'll ever find is in a church house. They're sitting on the pews. Why is that? I've asked myself that. Why are some of the nastiest people I've ever ran into, Brother John, sitting on the church house? That should be where they're the most joyful. That's where, that's where they should be. And then it clicked. That's where they should be the most joyful. They know what it's like to live for God. They know them Christians that have backslid on God, that are sitting down on God. They know what it's like to be running the race. They know what it's like to have the peace of God. They know what it's like to have the blessings of God. But they found themselves in a position where they threw their hands up, they gave up, and they're sitting down on God, and they ain't nothing but miserable. And you know what? A miserable person wants to make everybody else around them miserable. That's how we find ourselves from running a race to sitting down on God. So, Brother Derek, how do I get back? If I'm in that position, I'll admit I'm, I'm miserable. How do I get back in the race? Glad you asked. Because too many times, this is where we mess up as, as a church. And I'm saying as a church, as the whole. I'm not saying this about Merville because I guarantee you it's probably worse at Pomfort. It happens everywhere. As a church... Someone comes down and gets right with God. Or someone comes down, like they said this morning, and accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know what we're quick to do? Throw them in the race. Mm. Time out. I'm telling you right now. If you was to ask me to run a 10-mile marathon, I would start out, but a half mile down the road, I'll be going... <laughs> I'll be, and I'll probably be sitting down again. Why? I'm not conditioned to run a 10-mile race. I don't have the training to run a 10-mile race. But we do this with our Christians when they just get saved. Well, let's get you in the race. No, you've got to be trained to run a race. You've got to have that training behind you or someone who has been. You know what? When this man of God says, let's time out and we just need to let them get settled in, let's train them right, you better back him up on that. Because too many times we throw them in the race, and when they do run out of steam, you know what we do? Well, there must not have been nothing to it anyway. I guess that was for show. Maybe they really had good intentions and just did not have the training to get to that point, and they ran out of steam. What we got to do is start training them again. Get them walking with God before we try to get them running. Get them in the word of God. Because that's what our daily walk is for. Is to get our stamina built up. To get going again. And he says you need to read your Bible and pray every day. If you're not doing that, I urge you to read your Bible and pray every day. It has got so good around our house that if one night, one night we did slip our minds. And you know what Addie says? She says, we haven't read the Bible and prayed. I can't go to bed. You're right. So we had to stop what we was doing. Get in your word before you try to run the race. Have a daily walk with God before you try to run the race. Then you'll be prepared for that 10-mile marathon. Because I tried it before when I was playing basketball. They told me you have to run the mile in 6 minutes, 15 seconds or less. 
to even be considered. You know what I did as a teenager? Oh, I can do this. I got out there, I ran a mile, and when I stopped, the entire world was spinning. I was like, what in the world? I was sick as a dog. You want to know why? I hadn't built up to it. But my, you, know, you want to know what my basketball coach did, Brother John? He says, we're going to do this as a team. So as a team, my coach got out there with me. And before we did the trials, all of us would build up. All of us would jog the trails. All of us would get ready. And then the day of the trial, I was ready. And I ran that mile in five minutes and 40 seconds. Because I had training. I was built up. That's what we need. We need to get back in the word of God. We need to get our feet under us. We need to get our spiritual stamina built up. So we can run this race that is set before us. And when there is negativity in your life, you need to shut it down. It may not be a sin, but it will hold you back. Next, verse 2. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, like I said, if you want to go over to Jeremiah chapter 17, you can see this completely retold almost word for word, it seems like. But here's something else about this tree. I want you to see something right here. If you look at verses 2 and 3 and compare them to Joshua 1, 8, Man, it's like they, David and Joshua sat down together and wrote this. Because listen to what he says. I'm going to name five things in Joshua 1.8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The only time success is mentioned in the Bible, Joshua 1.8. So let's look at this. So we just said, Joshua said that there was a book of the law. We see that in verse 2. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then what does he say? He says, uh, that thou shalt meditate. We see that again. Two things in Joshua 1.8 that connect. Therein, day and night. There's three things that connect with Joshua 1.8. Wow. You want to get back in the race? Here's another thing. I just talked about the negativity will get in your mind. The negativity will be what slows you down. If you'll replace that negativity with the word of God and meditate on it day and night, that positivity is going to change your life. It will change your life. We, I just heard it on the radio today that we actually train our brains to be negative. They said the average person actually can think of one thing a minute to complain about. Let that sink in for a second. Every minute we can think of something to complain about. But if we trained our brains to be thankful and to be grateful. See, we talked about the blessings of God. Here's how we get negative sometimes, Brother Terry. 
We look at other people and see their blessings. Well, my blessings ain't their blessings. They have a million-dollar house. God must not love me as much. They drive a $60,000, $70,000 car, and here I am having to buy one off the auto trader. God must not love me as much. But you also don't know what kind of bills they have. They may be in, uh, dead up to their eyeballs and can't think straight. Why do you think so many quote-unquote rich people take their life? Because they've got so much stress on them. Stop comparing your blessings to someone else and say, well, I'm not as blessed as them. I go to a homeless mission every month and I preach to them and I see these guys. Man, it's just, it's a blessing to be honest because they will come to you and they are so hungry for the word of God. It's amazing. We can actually look and at least I'm not walking. I may have a car off auto trader, but at least I'm not walking. Thank God. I may not have much in the bank account, but my kids, they got food on their table. They got clothes on their back. They ain't having to worry about all that. God has been there. There's been times I had to worry about it. I'm not going to lie. One time, I'm just, there's many times, but I'm going to take one for instance. This is how good God is. I was working for Schreiber Foods one day, and Jessica was looking for a job. This is God for you. They called me into Schreiber Foods, and here's the CEOs of the company. This ain't good. This is not good at all. They told us, they says, well, y'all have done a great job with your quality and cutting costs, but y'all are just so far away from Wisconsin, we just can't... Justify the cost, so we're shutting your plant down. Oh, my goodness. I go home, and I bawl my eyes out to God. I say, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it tonight. She don't have a job, and mine's coming to an end. And I just poured my eyes out to God. I was broken. And I called Jessica, and she called me back. She says, well, I got news for you. I says, I've got good news for you. I said, I got news for you. I said, you first. She says, you know that job that we've been praying about for so long for me to get? I says, yeah. She says, I just got an email today that I got it. I says, do what? She says, yeah. I says, well, great. I lost mine. She says, do what? <laughs> I says, no, really. I says, so when does this job start? She says, in August, my, my jaw just dropped. Because they told me August the 4th, mine would end. I went to one of my friends. And I asked them, I said, what time did they announce that for us? Because I knew she texted one of her friends. She said it was at 9.03. I told Jessica, I said, go back and look at that text, that email. She says it was sent at 9.08. Five minutes, and even before I prayed, God had the answer on the way. We didn't miss a paycheck. Can't tell me, and I could do instance after instance, but I'm getting sidetracked. I want to go back. He says, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. So we said, number four, you're supposed to do, this tree is doing. And finally... Whatsoever thou doest shall prosper, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, 
and thou shalt have good success. Five things that connect these two verses to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. So there's something about this tree that I had to dig into, Brother uh, Warren. I had to figure out something about this tree. First of all, notice it's planted by the rivers of water. Water is a typology of the Word of God. It's planted by the waters to where it can tap in and it can draw its strength. You may go through some hard times in your life, but if you've got your Word of God, you can pull it out and you can tap in in the hardest of times. When the wind starts blowing, when the storms start raging, I am grounded and I am tapping into God's Word. You want to know what? Why? Because I can read a verse a thousand times, but when I read it that thousand and first, God may have something in there for me that I never ever seen before and it's what I needed for that day and time and he gives me strength that whenever the winds blow I am grounded and I can stay the course because I am grounded in him something else about this how many in here well I'm not going to ask that I'll, I'll say it this way so many times in our Christian life we think if we ain't doing something miraculous we are not a success for God. Really, we do. Well, I'm just reading my Bible. I'm just praying. You know what? I'm being faithful to that church. I'm giving my tithes. I'm giving my offerings. I'm praying diligently for Brother John. Nobody sees all that. That must be a failure. No, no, no. I want to show you the definition of success right here. He says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What happens here? That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. This ain't going to be too deep theology, but too many times we miss this. Brother Wyatt, I'm going to ask you something. When you go out to an apple tree, what kind of fruit do you want to see on that tree? Do you think it's going to be apples or do you think it's going to be oranges on an apple tree? Wow. Good job, buddy. Notice what he just said. Even he knows when I go to an apple tree, I should expect apples. The Bible says you're going to bring forth your fruit. What the Bible says for you to be a success, do what you're supposed to do. See, he ain't asking this apple tree to go bear an orange. He ain't asking this apple tree to go bear a pear. He ain't asking you to do something so miraculous and astounding. He just wants you to do what you're supposed to do. Bear your fruit. And that is something that is that's so amazing. Everybody wants to be the same tree, it seems like. Everybody wants to be the same tree. I'm going to tell you right now. My grandfather was a pastor, James Ransom. My dad's a pastor, Johnny Knight. You know what? Oh, I should be the next pastor, right? No. I'm not the same tree they are. I've got different fruit I'm supposed to bear. I know my role. I was not called to be a pastor. That, that's going to be very odd to hear a preacher say that. But I was not, and I'm not called to be a pastor. Why is that? I've seen the ins, I've seen the outs. As a grandson and as a pastor's son, I know what a pastor goes through. I've had, people, I've had churches come and ask me, would you be? Nope, that's not my calling. No. Do you want to know what I am? 
God's called me to support pastors. Because they need that. Pastors are breaking down all the time under the weight and the pressure. I hope Brother John knows that he can pick up a phone call and pick up a phone and call me at any time if he needed me. I want you to know that, Brother John. You can trust me. I won't go run off and tell the next person. Sometimes a pastor needs that. But you want to know what? I'm, again, too many times we like to criticize everything they do. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. You better support your pastor. You better give him every ounce. And I don't know of anybody that don't support your brother John, so I can say this freely. If there is somebody that's not, they can't say I'm throwing it at him because I don't know about it. But if you are back there criticizing, you need to be the first one in the altar. Because he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. But that's another thing. I don't want Dawson to be the same thing I am. God's called Dawson to be something. And I don't know what that is. But I am not going to make him be something that I want him to be. He's got to bring forth his fruit. And also notice what else it says in his season. I've never noticed the apple tree blooming in the middle of winter. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. If you just simply, that's what it all boils down to. If you do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, you're a tree planted by the rivers of water that's bringing forth your fruit in your season. You know what the Bible says about that? Your leaf's not going to wither and whatsoever you're going to do is going to prosper. See, I can look at C.T. Towns and I can look at... Uh, Joe Arthur, I can look at Ralph Sexton, and I can see all these with great ministries. I can look at that and say, oh, I wish I had a ministry like that. No, I want to be Derek Knight because that's what God called Derek Knight to be. And God will open the doors for where I need to go, and God will close the doors where I don't need to go. Plain and simple, I'm just going to be faithful to the doors he opens. And that's what you do. Whatever God is opening the door for you to do, that's what you do. Don't try to go and be somebody else and do somebody else's job. You do what you're supposed to do. When you're supposed to do it, and God's going to say, you're a success. You're prosperous. I want you to see one last thing about this tree, and I'll move on. One last thing about this tree. God ain't calling this tree to do something miraculous. Here's the amazing thing about this tree. He produces, it produces its fruit. The fruit's what does the miracle. See, I can go take all these fruits. They can stop cancer. They can, I, I've looked at it. It can lower uh, blood pressure. It can help with eyesight. Just these fruit, I, I looked at it. I just got to digging into fruit and what all fruit does. Like, this is some pretty miraculous stuff. If you'll just bear the fruit, God will do the miracles. God does miracles, but he, he, he lets the tree produce the fruit, and he uses the fruit to perform the miracles. Do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and you'll see God move. Next, and I'm, I'm not going to be long-winded. We're going to wrap it up here. He says, the ungodly are not so, but a lot the chaff which the wind driveth away. 
Notice this, we've seen a righteous man and his blessings. Now we're seeing the opposite. He says an unrighteous man. He says, like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Notice when the wind blew on that tree, it was grounded. It wasn't going with every wind of doctrine. It wasn't going with the popular opinion. It was grounded. But the chaff, the ungodly, are going to blow with the wind. I want you to know what Jesus told Peter. A lot of times we ask, why is God letting me go through this in my life? Why? Peter said, John, I mean, Jesus told Peter, he says, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He desired that he may have you, that he may sift you as wheat. You know what they would do with that wheat? They would take that wheat on the threshing floor and beat it. So many times we feel like, why are you letting this happen to me, God? God is separating the good from the bad. He told Peter, once you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Mm. So that is being separated. And then you know what they would do with that chaff? They would take it all, throw it up in the air. The wheat would come back down. The chaff would just be blowed away. God is preparing you to do great things. You know, last year, this time last year, my dad was in the hospital with COVID. It was just, a little, just about one year and one week ago. They were talking about the ventilator. They said it ain't looking good. Do you know what? Hundreds of people got down on their knees and praying for him. And within a week's time, he went from 60 liters of oxygen and the BiPAP to walking out that hospital. One week to the day. Don't tell me prayer can't change things. But you want to know what? Dad learned some stuff. Now he can connect with people he never connected with before. He can actually tell them, I was on death's door. But God spared me. And when another family's going through that, he can actually sympathize with them. Because now he's been there. See, the stuff that goes on in your life, God may be using you to help someone down the road. So when you're, don't, don't feel like God has abandoned you. Don't feel like God's given up on you. No, he's just giving you strength for down the road. He's getting you ready for the race. He says, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. There's that stand again. They come to us. They can't even stand. They're going to be sitting still. It says, they shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You know, their ways are going to fall. We can see that in Revelation. They're not going to be able to stand. If the uh, instrument players will be making their way up, Brother John, if you'll be making your way up, I'm going to ra start wrapping it up right here. He says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, God knows your heart. We make mistakes sometimes. We mess up. Every one of us do. But you know what? God knows your heart. He knows if you're really trying for Him. Or if you're just saying, I'm going to do my own thing and you ain't going to change me. Have a sincere heart. See, that's... I wasn't going to say it, but I feel like I need to. That's one of the most abused scriptures in the Bible, Brother John. 
is man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. If you'll actually go back and look at that scripture, you know what it's saying? Everybody was in awe of David's big brother because of his stature. That's what it literally said. But we say, oh, we can wear anything we want to wear, do anything we want to do because God looks on the outward appearance, not on my heart. I mean, he looks on the uh, heart, not on my outward appearance. But I'll tell you right now, your outward appearance a lot of times is going to reflect what's in your heart. Can I say that right there? And to further prove it, that scripture was actually written under the law. Tell that priest, going into the holies of holies, God don't look at your outward appearance. He looks on your heart. So you can go in those holy of holies and dress however you want to dress. They would have been dragging him out of those holies of holies. And that was written. That Samuel was written under the law. So we know that was not what it was saying. He's saying, don't be impressed with how big he is. Don't be impressed with how strong he is. You look at little David, he's ruddy, he's weak. And everybody overlooked him. That's what it was talking about. But we abuse it and try to make that scripture say something it don't say. But he says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. My question to you tonight, where are you with God? Are you running the race? Are you in a full sprint mode? Or have you slowed down to a walk? Man, I'm just getting so depressed, Brother John. This world's in a mess. I don't know how we're going to make it. Are you just standing still? And you may have taken that final step. You just sit down on God. I can guarantee in a, si a crowd this size, we have somebody in every category. And I'm going to be honest with you, Brother John. I had to apologize to my church last week. I had to get up to them and say, I am sorry. You want to know why? Some jobs were open in our church. Nobody else would do them. So I said, I'll just do them because nobody else will. So just because somebody wasn't doing their calling, I decided to cross lines and not do something that God laid on my heart. I got up and I apologized to them. I said, I was just doing this because nobody else would. I was pleasing men instead of God. I was wrong and I am sorry. And I gave up that position that, I, that God never laid on my heart. You want to know what happened? That was last Sunday. Wednesday night, we had 12 kids in our, in our class. Out of those 12 kids, eight kids got saved by the grace of God. Well, I don't believe in all that. Dear. If I was not in the right mind, if I would not have taken that step, I don't know because we were actually bringing them in from outside and they were preaching inside the sermon. It was nothing I did, Brother John. I just noticed we had to stop for a band-aid and those kids just stopped. And then they gathered around the back door and they was hearing the preacher preach. I says, lesson time is going to be in the sanctuary. And we brought those kids in and for the first time, some of those kids ever heard good gospel preaching. First time they've ever heard preaching about the cross. 
Well, Derek, that was kids. You can pressure any kid into a profession. And I agree, you can. But you want to know what we did? We pulled them in the back room. And we talked to them. And we actually asked them where, we, where they were. We asked them questions about their understanding. And I'll tell you right now, two of them were not ready. They were not ready. And you want to know what we did? I, I said, y'all need to go on out with Miss Jessica while the rest of us deal with these others. I was not going to talk a kid into a profession just to say, oh, we got more saved. Be doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And you can see some miraculous things happen, not because of you, but because of what God did with you, what you did for him. Brother John. Are you doing what God's called you to do?